Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey everybody, it's Gary, and before we jump into the message and start this series, I have important announcements for you. People have been emailing me more and more saying, When will the church reopen? I want to be really clear we were never closed. We just moved from on-site to online. You can't close the church because you and I, we're the church, not a building. And in some ways, the church has been more open than ever before. We are meeting more needs, reaching more people than ever before. But I want you to know we are praying through when we will gather again and what that looks like. That is a discernment process in June that we're going to step into that we're inviting the whole church to pray about. You're going to hear about that. But for the summer in June, starting on June the 7th, online, we're just going to have three online gatherings at 855, our traditions gathering at 10 o'clock more contemporary gathering, at 11 o'clock, more contemporary gathering. We're trying to live within our means online. And as we all know, on June 7th, our 905 gathering pastor will be on his way or in Idaho. And so we want to encourage our 905 community to merge to one of the other three communities just for the summer as online we enter into that discernment process. And we'll follow Jesus and do whatever he tells us to do when we are able to gather again in person, whatever that looks like. All right? Hey, let's pray together, and we're going to jump into this brand new series called Imagine. I also want to highlight before we pray, you want to click the resource tabs because we've resourced this series with tons of links and more more tools to help you and I discern God's will, both corporately and individually. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the time we have to be together. And I thank you so much that the church is alive and we're gathered in homes all over the place. May you be honored now as we dig into your word in this series we call Imagine. God, we're taking you at your word when you said, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, What no mind has imagined, you have in store for those of us who love you. Father, I pray that you would, through your Holy Spirit, unveil what you have for us, individually and corporately. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Why I'm so excited about this series is because we're actually going to answer what I believe to be one of life's most important questions. Regardless of who you are and regardless of your spiritual convictions, we've all processed one aspect of this question uh, at one time or another. We've even been frustrated over this question. I remember the first time I had to process this question when uh, my sophomore year in college, God was a big part of my life and it came time for summer. Uh, and in that winter before the summer, someone came up to me in my youth group. I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ and they challenged me to go on a summer project. Summer projects are projects that Campus Crusade has all over the country and really all over the world around resort towns, resort cities. And 70 or 80 college students would gather to be trained 
in ministry and to discover God's heart for the world. And I was challenged to consider by another student to join him in Wildwood, New Jersey, just south of Philadelphia. It seemed so cool. And I was like, gosh, I want to do this. And then I remembered, oh, wait a second. I had an agreement with my dad in college that I would pay for uh, college tuition and books. Mom and dad would pay for room and board. Dad just thought that was a way to get through college. It, it, it uh, trained us in responsibility. And so I was all excited to go on this summer project, but I wouldn't be making money. And the summer was the time I made money for the summer project. Do you understand the challenge I was facing? So I came to my dad who didn't fully understand my spiritual convictions or where I was coming from spiritually. And I'll never forget his response. With all sincerity, he said, hey, you can go on the project. I was like, oh my gosh. And he said, but you have to drop out of school because I'm not gonna pay for your tuition. I've set it up for you to work here at home for his company and you can make enough money for your college tuition. So you make the choice, go to college or go to that project. I was so dejected. And I remember walking the streets of Novato uh, after that talk going, God, did you want this for me or not? What is your plan for my life? See, this series, Imagine, is designed to equip us with tools to get us, this is really important, from where we are to where God wants us to be. If you've ever asked questions like I did my sophomore year in college as a Christ follower, or questions like, God, do you want me in this college or that college? Do you want me in no college? Do you want me to take a gap year? If you've ever asked questions like, God, is it this job or that job? Do I live with my parents or do I move out and live with my roommates? God, do I pursue this dating relationship? Do I break up with this guy or girl? God, do I ask her to marry me? This series is for you. I want you to hear me. The God of the universe has a plan so vast, it can only be described multiple times in the scriptures, but I prayed it out as we started the series in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, God has in store for those who love him. And sometimes it seems hard, doesn't it? Trying to find that plan for God's life. It seems almost like it's more mystery than certainty. And it doesn't help when you read the Bible, because when you read the Bible, God's talking audibly all the time. I mean, Moses got a burning bush. Noah, he got a rainbow. Jonah got a big fish to transport him right to God's will. Heck, Mary, she got an angel appearing to her. I mean, I would love that when I'm trying to figure out God's plan for my life. An angel shows up and says, here it is. Heck, even in the Old Testament, God used a donkey to talk to Balaam and tell him God's will for his life. Listen, on this eight-week journey, we're going to discover sometimes discerning God's will is really easy. Sometimes it's mystery. And before the series is over, we're going to give each of you a tool, what we're calling the fourfold leadings of Jesus, to help guide you into God's plan. But I want you to hear this. This is really important. God is the greatest communicator ever. 
the one who saves you, he's able to lead you. Let me say that again. The one who saves you, he's able to lead you. So I want you to break in your groups or if you're alone, think about it and ponder this question. Do you believe that the God of the universe has a plan for your one and only life? And was there a time when you experienced God's clear direction for your life? Take 90 seconds and talk that through. So you need to understand that this series is built on a premise and a promise, core convictions. The premise is absolutely God has a plan for our one and only lives. And the promise is this, we will equip you. God, through PCC, through the church, will equip you to discover God's plan for your life. But I need to build a foundation for this. So to do it, we're going to go to an unlikely place. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And I want to give you some context, and we're going to dive right into a story. The context is this. Mark 8 is all about spiritual blindness. The whole context of the chapter is spiritual blindness. In verse 1 to 13, Jesus feeds 4,000 people, and the religious elite are pretty ticked off and say to him, Are you the one? Show us a sign. They're looking for a sign. Then in verse 14 to 21, Jesus, in talking to them, turns the conversation around to vision language. In verse 18, he says, Do you have eyes but failed to see? And then in verse 22, we pick up right there with the story we're going to focus on, the healing of a blind man. And then after the healing of the blind man, Jesus says to his followers, how do people see me? Who do people say I am? In verse 27 on. Friends, this miracle of healing of the blind man in Mark's gospel, it's not just a miracle, it's a parable. Jesus is not just doing this to heal a blind man. He's teaching a lesson. 
So let's pick it up in verse uh, 22 and let's pull out some principles that are so important if we're going to step into God's plan for our lives. Verse 22, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. You know, uh, if we could just step out of this for a minute, I wanted to speak to us as a church. This to me is the picture of the mission of the church. Uh, this blind man got vision because of the community around him. This blind man didn't come to Jesus. People brought him to Jesus and they interceded or they begged Jesus to touch the blind man. It's a picture of intercessory prayer. It's a picture of our heart for our city and our uh, county and our state and our nation and the world. We want everybody to come to know Christ. We want Jesus to touch everybody. And I just want to invite you to enter into prayer for people who may or may not know Christ, especially if they don't know Christ, and beg Jesus to touch them. We call that bless, and there'll be on the resource tab um, access to the bless list where we're interceding for people we want Jesus to touch. Back into the story. The point so far, verse 22, is this. No one will ever be able to see who Jesus is or the magnitude of his plan for our lives unless Jesus initiates a touch first. That might sound confusing, but in the Bible, throughout the Bible, God uses spiritual blindness or darkness as a metaphor for the impact of sin and how it's clouded our view of God, of ourselves, and of each other. And here's the audacious claim. The Bible says every human being is born spiritually blind. In the Bible, in a book called 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. See, being blind, it's not a put-down, it's not a matter of intelligence. Uh, there is uh, evil forces that have blinded the minds. The sin has blinded our view of Jesus, so we can't see the gospel for how good it is. I got great news, though. Jesus came for that very purpose. Jesus wasn't repulsed by our spiritual blindness. He came to our rescue. In the Gospel of Luke, there's a story when Jesus entered a synagogue to inaugurate his public ministry. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He grabbed the scrolls from the Torah closet and he turned them to Isaiah and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And here it is. He sent me to reclaim recovery of sight for the blind. I still remember when Jesus touched my eyes, when people were begging Jesus on my behalf, my freshman year in college, that same group that I opened up the story with, Campus Crusade for Christ, there were people there praying for me. I know that because they told me so after I became a Christian, asking Jesus to touch my eyes. And I got to tell you, I remember for me, when Jesus did that, 
It was like, oh my goodness. Well, it was like what John Newton wrote in the, uh, the great hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm blind, but now I see. Has Jesus touched you in that way? Can you say with so many others, wow, I have spiritual sight. If you haven't, you can come to Christ right now. And with all sincerity, you'll never discover God's will for your life till you start with this first step. Jesus, touch my eyes. Give me spiritual sight. Well, it goes on in verse 23. It says, He took the blind man by the hand. He led him outside the village. This is so bizarre. When he spit on the man's eyes and he put his hands on him, he said, do you see anything? Do you see anything? The man looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. It's actually challenging. It's a little dicey to say to the God of the universe, it didn't work. You weren't good enough. What's going on here? And that's our question for us. What is going on here? The spiritual principle, remember, Jesus isn't just healing. He's teaching here, is this. Coming to Christ is a point and a process. A point and a process. The point is, uh, I once was blind, but now I see. The point is, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The point was, you were blind and now you see. But the process is, for the rest of your life, returning to Jesus again and again and again, saying this, refine my vision. Refine my vision. I just believe that's where we are as a church, and that's where most of us are as individuals. It's not a matter of, have I come to Christ? We've given our lives to Christ. But we don't continue to return to Jesus and ask him, help me to see clearly what you see. Refine my vision. And that's what I was doing in my process, trying to seek God's will that sophomore year in college at Sac State. When my dad said, no, you can either choose to go to college or choose to go on that summer project, but the choice is yours. I'm not going to pay for college if you go on that summer project. I returned to school after that discussion and was asking God and was encouraged uh, by my community. Again, we'll give you that fourfold leadings of Christ uh, document to help you discern God's will. I didn't know about that, but I was following it. My community was praying for me and I kept returning to Jesus. Please, Lord, do you want this? It seems impossible. And here's what happened. I had a fraternity brother come up to me about three weeks after that said, hey, um, we're running and putting a slate together in stu- for student government for an executive team. They had a president, a vice president, a secretary, and uh, a chairman of the board, it was called. And they said, we want you to be the chairman of the board. And I'm like, I don't got time for that. And he said, well, there's some perks. And he told me about the perks. And then he said this. And one of the perks is you get a full ride scholarship for the whole year at school. Now, I got to tell you something. There was something in my spirit when he said that. It just went, what? What? My vision was refined a little bit as I continued to pursue Jesus. And that's what God wants you to do. 
in our lives to continually have our vision refined. See, we know about this in so many ways. Uh, it's called hindsight, right? Don't you have hindsight where you look back at something and you go, oh man, I wish I saw it more clearly. Coming to Jesus time and time again is getting your vision refined in real life so you don't have to go to hindsight. So I'm going to have us break up in a group one last time and you're going to ask these questions or if you're by yourself, ponder them. What area of your life can benefit for, from a more refined vision? What area of your life are you, as this man said, uh, see people, but they look like trees walking around? Where are you seeing with a little bit of a blur where you want Jesus to say, would you do a further touch in my life and help me see as you see? Can you imagine how awesome it would be to see humans, to see people, to see our circumstances, to see this moment we're in with the vision of Jesus? Take 90 seconds and ponder that, and we'll come back. Folks, here's what happened. Jesus touches his eyes one more time, and look what it says in verse 25. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and I love this. He saw everything clearly. What that clearly uh, connotes is this he saw everything the way Jesus intended him to see it. Is that not the need of the hour? Is that not the underpinning of what we want from this whole series? Isn't that the promise of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 2.9 that we open the series? What no mind has conceived, what no ear has heard, what no eye has seen, God has designed for those who love him. Who love him. I wanted to say this, I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, I don't care how mature you are in the faith unless you have a holy dissatisfaction with your spiritual sight unless you have uh, an experience and you believe there's an experience of god's love you've yet 
to an encounter unless you keep coming back to Jesus again and again saying, I don't see right. You're never going to live. I'm never going to live into our full redemptive potential. Listen, that's not a complaint against God. That's a dependency on God. Living into God's will for our life begins with a point. Jesus has to touch your life. I once was blind, but now I see. And then it's a process of Jesus continually refining your vision. You might be going, come on, Jesus, why all this talk about sight and vision? Well, it's the foundation for determining the will of God. We're going to close with a verse, a story, and a prayer. Here's the verse, Romans 12, 1 to 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. That's the point. Looking back, in view of what Jesus has done in your life, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This, Paul says in Romans 12, is your true and proper worship. And then in verse 2, he says, he ties our vision to the will of God. He says, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. See right there. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says when you view God's mercy properly, you offer your life to God, and then you will step into the will of God, and you'll want to. And that's what happened as God refined my vision at Sac State. In the first experience I had of asking God, what is your will for my life? A couple things happened. I found myself in this campus-wide um, political, uh, not rally, but race to uh, go into this executive office. And here's what's crazy. We won. <laughs> we won. My year was paid for. And I went on that summer project. And in hindsight, I want to tell you a couple things happened. Here's the first. Uh, my campaign manager promised me he'd help me write my speech on one condition. If I take four minutes of my speech before the whole school and put my testimony in it. So I got a chance to stand, not before the whole 30,000 attendees of Sac State, but there was about 7,000 of them, and share the story of how Jesus changed my life. And then that summer, I got to tell you, that very summer in Wildwood, New Jersey, I received a call from the Lord to enter into ministry. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that summer. And then the year after that, when I was in office, I found that there was a ton of money for student activities, and we deployed, totally above board, tons of resources to Christian groups in great causes, feeding the poor, going on mission trips, doing stuff, because this is what our student uh, service fee went to every year. I gotta tell you, that year, in discovering God's will for my life, it set me on a trajectory that's still reverberating to this day. So as we close, I want to ask, are you seeing clearly? Has there been a point when Christ came and touched your life? We say it around here, it's as easy as ABC, acknowledging that you need a touch from Jesus, that you can't see clearly without him. You can't see yourself, you can't see God, you can't see others. B, believing that Jesus wants to take your one and only life 
and give it purpose that lasts for all eternity. And see, confess with your mouth, I need you, Jesus. We're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to invite you to engage in that. If you've never come to Christ, I'm going to invite all of us and launch us into this Imagine series. Let's pray. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can do it right now. ABC, Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the Savior of the world. You didn't come to condemn me. You came to give me vision and sight. I believe today you are who you said you were the Savior of the world, and I confess with my mouth, I don't have what it takes to save me. I'm letting you and asking you to step into my life and save me, change me from the inside out. And Father, I pray for that process for those of us who know you, that you would uh, take us on and refine our vision so we can see clearly. We're trusting you, Lord, as a church. We're trusting you as individuals. We're trusting you for whatever it is in our future, from where we are to where we believe you want us to be to get us there. Father, we're all in. Bless us, touch us, refine us, use us. We pray in Christ's name. And wherever you are, all God's people said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC. PCC.